Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4:23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. this morning. Um, We're going to read some questions that God asked of Job. And that is what I'm going to talk about today is how I heard my call to ministry through questions, through my own questions and through questions that God laid on my heart and placed in my life. So here we are and Job has just questioned God and this is God's reply to Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what, where its footing set, or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the seas behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no farther, Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. God. You may be seated. So as we're... Talking this morning, Bert mentioned last week that he was, his faith was cooked in a slow cooker over time. I feel like my faith has been like that cup of tea. It's been steeping over time. It's been something that has developed and the fullness and the richness of it has come from being in that water for a long time and from the fullness that comes out of that. I'm going to back up a little bit um, and tell you a little bit about just where I grew up. I grew up in the church. Um, I was in Houston, was baptized at St. Luke's. My parents moved out to Missouri City shortly after that. I grew up going to First Methodist uh, Missouri City my whole life. My mom eventually was on staff there. When the church doors were open, we were there. Uh, Sang in the youth choir, went to UMYF, um, and that is where my faith was born and nurtured very dearly um, and surrounded by just a wonderful loving community but starting at the age of four i started spending the summers with my grandparents and here's kind of the setup and lo and behold there is someone here from benton louisiana this morning raise your hand if you're from benton and i know there will only be one hand that goes up Um, (laughs) 
even though it's my cousin. Um, so <laughs> my grandfather was a farmer. They lived out in the country. Um, and on their land where they lived, um, within a half mile was my other aunt and uncle and their sons, my other aunt and uncle and their kids. I could walk easily between them, and we all lived there to together. That's where I spent my summers. Uh, my grandfather... Uh, my grandfather was a farmer, like I said, um, and so was one of my uncles as well. But in that environment where I grew up, um, I always kind of joke that I'm one quarter Baptist because that side of the family was Baptist. And so every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, I was at church in the Baptist church. And so from a pretty young age, started to see that there were some differences. Um, <laughs> I had this wonderful experience in the, in the summer at church there, grew up surrounded by people who loved me as well, and then I would go back home and I'd have this other kind of different experience at church in Missouri City. And that's where I started to see those differences and those questions started to come. I honestly don't know a time when I wasn't questioning things. I was trying to figure out, we've got Brother Billy who was the pastor at the Baptist church, who spoke very loudly, um, very loudly. There was a lot of banging and a lot of Bible, um, but I grew up in a Sunday school class being taught scripture and the importance of memorizing scripture. Um, but then there were also altar calls, which was a whole different thing from what we experienced in the Methodist church. There was altar calls at VBS. Um, I remember having altar calls as young as five or six years old. We went to revivals for three nights every summer, and there was an altar call. And so I started to see this difference, and then I went home, and nine months out of the year, I went to this church. There was this pastor in a robe. He was a little more soft-spoken than Brother Billy. Um, <laughs> Had a little bit different approach. We had liturgies and prayers that we read out of the bulletin. Um, it was totally different. Um, and so those questions started to emerge. Who was right? Who was wrong? Were they both right? I didn't know. And so I just started to have this history of, of questions. Um, I will say in my family, we didn't do a lot of questioning out loud. Um, and so that, those questions that I had were more internal. They were just the things I was noticing and starting to take in in my life. Went on to work and attend a summer camp that was a Christian camp as well, but very Baptist-based in their faith and their theology. And so by the time I got to confirmation, I was really trying to figure this all out. Um, I knew the importance of proclaiming my faith, but I'm trying to figure out this difference between how it was done and was I ready to become a member and to proclaim my faith when I still wasn't quite sure what I was proclaiming? And so I did end up getting confirmed in the church in seventh grade um, because I realized that God was going to continue to provide the answers. And so at some point, I don't know exactly when, that's, I just knew that all the questions were okay because I knew that God was going to answer them. He was going to reveal them and that he would be the source for that. Got to college, joined the Wesley Foundation up at Texas Tech. Um, there I could ask my questions out loud. And I had found a community of people who were question askers, who wanted to hear those questions, um, and where there was wonderful dialogue and opportunities to step into those questions as well. Um, I did a lot with the Wesley Foundation. It was a really formative part of my faith. But I also especially looking back, start to realize that I tended to put myself in classes and situations 
that created more questions than they answered. My major in uh, undergraduate was human development family studies. So now I've got all these questions about what the Bible says about what family is and how it operates and how it's structured versus what I'm hearing at school. And it was, it was different. I went to a secular school. I had some Christian professors, but at the same time, I had to reconcile those two things and start to think about them and question them even more. During that time, I began to do research for a professor, this is the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, who was doing research on HIV and AIDS. Um, and through the research that I did with her and helped her with, um, I met and talked with people that a lot of times at that time especially were often overlooked and attempted to be silenced that had HIV and AIDS. It raised a lot of questions. I saw how they were treated by the community, by their churches, by their families. So I had even more questions. What was the church's role in this? What, how was the church responding? What, what was the right way to do that? And then, because I like that professor so much, <laughs> this is when I start to kind of nerd out a little bit, <laughs> I got approved to take graduate classes as an undergraduate, and so I took a women's studies class with her. And boy, you want to question everything. It caused me to step back and question everything. Everything about women's role, the church, history, racism, all of it. I was smacked in the face with all those questions. And it was wonderful, and I loved it. And all that time, I had this community of faith around me where I'm bouncing those questions off, where I'm talking to people, where I'm hearing what God has to say about it. Through the Bible studies that I'm in, through the preaching that I'm hearing, I'm hearing God's word throughout all of it. And some of those questions, I kind of got resolved in those moments, but I always kind of knew that it was kind of like an onion. You start peeling back the layers. And so I could kind of take a question and then kind of set it up on a shelf for a little bit and then come back to it a little bit later because I knew God was going to keep revealing and keep working that even if that question wasn't answered in that moment or at that time that God was going to show it to me it was going to be revealed to me I also worked at the Rape Crisis Center and from there um, because I spent a lot of time in hospitals and with law enforcement decided to go into hospital administration and so that's where I ultimately landed. I got my master's and worked in that field for seven years until I had children. Um, you're faced with a lot of things in that. Um, you look at justice and injustice and poverty and how women were treated in the healthcare system. Those were all things that I was very um, involved in and questioned and cared about very, very passionately. So, got married in the meantime. Husband's right there. <laughs> yep, <laughs> this is my husband Jim. Um, we got married in graduate school. Um, and so throughout all this, he's been a part of that journey. But um, through that, he finished up his PhD in chemistry and joined the Navy. Um, and so, as you know, if the Navy intended for you to have a family, they would have issued him one. And so, um, <laughs> you're just along for the ride at that point. And as a, as a planner, um, as a person who likes to have things mapped out and have everything in its place, uh, the Navy just kind of pulled the rug out from underneath that completely. But during that time, I'm now working in my career. Um, we're starting to have a family. And I'm starting to question and think about what does it mean to live out my faith on a daily basis? And the ordinary and the mundaneness 
going to work. Remember that moment when you start your first job and you think it's so great, and then about a week into it, you go, oh, I have to do this for like 30 years. Um, <laughs> that's, and you start to question that and think about that. Is this really what God wants me doing? What am I doing? Am I living into my faith, even though I'm operating and living in a very secular environment? Answer to that is yes, definitely. But through that, even looking at what it meant to be a mom, the mundaneness and the everydayness. I stayed home with my kids. Um, Jim was deployed when he left on his first deployment. I was 12 weeks pregnant, and he left for six months and came back nine days before our oldest was born. I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, moved into a house, set up the house, did the nursery, all that, nine months pregnant. Um, <laughs> it was an adventure. Um, but through that, I started to realize how much I had to rely on God that through all of it, that was my constant. That was my source. And so we went through that time, and then Jim got out of the Navy. He did it his four years. Three months after he got out, 9-11 happened, and that changed everything. Um, he left when our middle son was three months old and was gone for 15 months. Um, for the next eight years, he was gone 50% of the time of my boys' lives. Um, it was hard. Um, there was a lot of questions, a lot of questions I had during that time. I had questions about um, war, and is it justified? Is what we're doing justified? Does what we're doing warrant my husband, A, being away, or B, possibly dying, doing what he is doing? What do I tell my children? How do I explain to them what their dad is doing? And so those questions are coming up again. I happened to be at a church at the time in McKinney, and one of the associate pastors was actually a, um, had been a, a submariner in the Navy and then gone on to seminary after that. It was a wonderful time to ha get to have questions and to talk through some of those things. I keep seeing God putting people into my life so that I could have those conversations, so that I could talk about those things with people. Then we'll fast forward a little bit. In the meantime, we had another daughter, Selah, by the way. Um, Jim got out, um, well, he just retired recently, but was back home, was working um, at home more, and we eventually landed here in Kingwood. It's the longest we have lived anywhere since we have been married. Um, and we have been here 12 years now. I, during this time, had been working at different churches. I worked as a nursery coordinator, family ministry coordinator, the church had been a constant in my life. It had been a constant part of what I was doing. I taught Sunday school, I taught VBS, and then came here and I started working as the preschool director. And that position opened up right as we moved here. And I did that for two years and during that time I really began to feel that God was calling me into a different type of ministry. The preschool and Mother's Day Out ministry is so important to those children and the parents and the teachers that are involved in that. But I felt like God was calling me into something different. And lo and behold, Jim Welch asked if I would like to teach confirmation. Now, if you have questions, confirmation is the place to go. <laughs> and so I'm now in this position where I'm teaching sixth graders. And we're talking about 
prevenient grace and sanctifying grace and justifying grace and worship and sin and repentance and creation and they're asking me questions and each time I get to prepare a lesson I get to dig deeper and deeper into those questions. I get to read new sources, I get to hear different pastors preach and teach on those different topics and it was just a wonderful time and through that, through those questions, is how I really started to hear God's call into ministry. And as I leaned into those questions, I began to realize that I wanted to go deeper and deeper and deeper into those. I also joined a band group in the meantime that I'm still a part of, and it was probably one of the most transformative spiritual experiences that I've had. Highly recommend it. Talk to me about it later if you're not exactly sure what I'm talking about. It's a wonderful small group opportunity that for me was extremely transformative and helped me to hear and discern God's call in amazing and beautiful ways through the beautiful women that I had around me in that group. Like I said, I still had all those questions. In the meantime, I also, as I was answering that call, um, I met with Jim Welch in his office. I will never forget this. And he said, um, well, I think you should become an elder. And I said, oh, no, no, don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> and he said, I think you should work full time. I said, oh, no, no, I'm working part time. Don't want to do that. And then he said, I think you should go to seminary. And I said, oh, no, 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 don't want to do that. Don't have time for that. Well, here we are. Five years later, I'm an elder, went to seminary, and I'm working full time. So <laughs> the lesson from that is best laid plans. God will shape you and mold you and send you in directions and places that you never thought you were going to go and things that you never thought you were going to do. But as I answered that call, as I entered into ministry and I got to dig deeper and deeper into the questions, I went through chaplaincy training. You want to have some big questions? Go talk to people who are dying, who are suffering. And so I had God working through me with those questions that came up through that. And then I started seminary, you know, that thing I said I wasn't going to do. And uh, seminary gave me a way to illumine those questions, to process them and digest them, to look at them through a new and different lens. And it gave me those tools. Emily Priestmeyer asked me just a few weeks ago, as I just graduated in May, she asked me, did I get out of seminary what I wanted to get? Well, first she asked why I went to seminary. I said, because I had questions. And then she said, did you get out of it what you wanted? Did you find the answers? I said, I didn't find all the answers, but I know where the answer lies. And I know where that peace lies. And I'm willing to sit back and steep in it. To start to just listen to God and let him continue to peel back that onion, to peel back those layers and reveal himself more and more to me. We serve a God of questions. When sin entered the earth, when it entered the garden, what was God's first response? A question. Where are you? Why are you ashamed? God's response to sin in our lives, the way he shapes and forms and molds us in response, his grace comes out in his questions for us. It's amazing and it's beautiful. Moses asked questions. He asked God, what shall I tell them who you are? What if they don't believe me? And God responded. He continued to shape and mold Moses to provide him the gifts that he needed in those moments. 
to provide him the clarity and the understanding of who God was so that he could speak about who God was. And then Job. That's why I chose that scripture for this morning. First of all, I really like the Old Testament because it's just hard. There's a lot of questions in the Old Testament that you have to wrangle with, that you have to to think about, that we don't fully understand. And I love it, and it's beautiful, and it's the way God reveals himself to us, and it just opens that door. And so even in Job, we see Job asking God questions, and God responds with more questions. But it provides clarity about who he is. He's asking for Job's trust. After God gets done asking those questions, Job's response is repentance and confession for not trusting in who God was. We are shaped and molded by those questions, the questions that we have and that God then responds to through more questions. Jesus, in the gospel, they estimate there are 307 questions in the gospels, just in the four gospels. Jesus typically responded with a question to a question. But I think he's trying to teach us and show us that the questions sometimes are more important than the answers because faith is more important than knowledge. As much as I have learned in seminary, the knowledge is important, yes, but what it's done for my faith is what has really reflected and opened up and allowed me to see God in new and beautiful ways. Jesus' questions, they make us think. They help us dissect our lives and look at what is ultimately important. And Jesus is revealed in those questions. He asks things like, what are you looking for? It was an invitation. He wanted to see what their motives were, but he wanted to see their heart. And the, his question was to help reveal their heart. He asked, who do you say I am? Because the implications of your answer to that question are huge. Am I your savior? Am I the one that you can trust and know? The implications of that are huge. How you answer that question is huge. He even asked people before he healed them. Did you ever notice that? It's kind of a strange question if you think about it. Do you want to be healed? Because he's inviting us in. He's extending his grace to us. It's an invitation to new life. And he is the source of it. And he wants us to understand that. And then he gives us questions sometimes that just help us to pause and reflect and think about God. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? That's the kind of question you steep in. That's the kind of question you ponder in your heart over your whole life. Because you're going to see it and reflect on it differently in different times. And then, I think one of his best questions. When Peter had denied him three times, do you know what Jesus' response was? A question, do you love me? 
And he asked that question because he wanted Peter to understand that his love for him was greater than any mistake he had ever made. He wanted to invite him back into relationship and make sure that Peter understood that his desire was always for relationship, that his grace and his love is never ending. When we ask those questions, that's Jesus' response to us. Do you love me? I used to tell my sixth graders and later on eighth graders in confirmation, there is no question that is too big for God. He can handle your questions. He's got this. He's got, he's pointed out to Job, like, I created the whole universe. I've got this. Trust me. And so we have our tea steeping. And that's what those questions were for me. It was my opportunity to steep and continue to steep. And through that, that richness and fullness comes out. Sometimes we're like sun tea. We get put out and we're made slowly over time. Sometimes we get some boiling water poured on top of us. But God works in both of those circumstances. And in both ways, we have the opportunity to be in God's presence. But we're called to steep in scripture, in worship, in communion, in fasting, in community, we're called to steep in the presence of God. And God has been forming and calling me through those questions and steeping me in my questions my whole life. And I look forward to the questions that he continues to have, that he continues to put in my life. But ultimately, they've led back to God. His power, his righteousness, his justice, and his mercy have always been evident in the answers to those questions. We may not always understand it, but we can always trust it. And God calls us deeper into his presence because he's bigger than those questions. But through that process, our, our hearts are shaped, our lives are transformed, and new life is found and revealed in amazing and beautiful ways. So embrace your questions. Get your kids asking questions. Listen for God's questions to you because that is where the transformation takes place. That is where God reveals himself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.